0: Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of Old Guard, New Blood. And today we're talking about SEO in 2022. Uh, And it's a pretty special episode, actually, because, uh, as you know, these events are sponsored by Majestic. But they've uh, come up with this this amazing book here, which David Bain, our producer, has put together. And uh, it's uh, 320-odd pages of, of 66 of the world's um, most renowned SEOs, uh, talking together with their best tips. But it's not just that. Uh, David, David has gone in and interviewed every single one of those people and delved into those tips. And uh, I got this literally a few hours ago.
1: So I think I'm the first person. Uh, David, our producer, have you even seen your own book in print yet? I haven't. I haven't seen it in print forum. I've reviewed it quite a number of times in PDF form and Word form, but um, I I would imagine
0: so, because I've not found a spelling mistake yet. (laughs) So it's absolutely incredible piece of work um, and uh, you should be very proud, David. Uh, And also thank you very much to uh, four of the contributors who we've got on here to uh, delve into a few of the ideas. Uh, Guys, uh, well, Jono, since you're waving your hands about, why not take off your microphone and tell us who you are and where you come from?
2: Thank you very much. I was trying to point at the other people here, but I'm reversed in my camera. It's all very confusing. Um, Yeah, I'm Jono. Um, I run Special Ops at Yoast, which hopefully you've heard of. Um, I'm a technical SEO. Uh, I've worked at various agencies and tool vendors. I like um, general web technology technology. Um, and increasing the kind of um, the structured data and schema and performance side of SEO. So yeah, lots of um, fun toys to play with. Okay, and
0: uh, Ayala, why don't you tell us who you are and where you come from?
3: Sure. So my name is Ayala. I'm from Spain, uh, but I've been living abroad for the last ten years. I just came back because of the pandemic. Um, I'm a SEO director at Reflect, uh, an agency in the UK, and I've pretty much been in in every single sector you can imagine i've worked with fashion e uh automotive whatever and lately is when i've been able to finally start digging into what i really like of seo that is the human side of of seo so yeah that's pretty much me
0: all right we'll come on to that when we find your tip of course okay and olga How are you? Say hello. Where do you come from?
4: I am great. Uh, So I come from Poland. I am a technical SEO specialist. I have my own uh, small consulting agency called SEO Sly and also I am a freshly made SEO director at Market JD in Chicago. And my interest is mostly in technical SEO, SEO auditing. I love crawling sites and looking for a lot of different uh, errors and things to improve. And that's why Google Search Console is also one of my my favorite SEO tools. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Uh, You're very, very welcome. Thank you very much for coming along. Uh, And finally, we got Michael, who's uh, been around uh, longer than me in SEO. Michael, how are you? (laughs)
5: I'm good. How are you? Thank you for uh, having me. This is fun. Uh, yeah, like Dixon said, I've been around since uh, I started my search career in October of 97. And I think that's when uh, Dixon was born or right before he was born. I think he was born the year after. That's what I, look,
0: I look that young. I'm glad you think <laughs>
5: <laughs> um so anyways I, I run a a global digital marketing agency we do a lot of seo on a multilingual international front um i've you know since i've been in the space for so long i've pretty much seen everything and been involved with a lot of things from ridiculous massive migrations to simple in local jobs so uh, i've pretty much seen it all um been involved with it all and uh I guess I'm considered one of the old schools or the old boy guys on the call. (laughs) Embarrassing (laughs) enough. I don't look... I think Dixon looks older than me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. Thanks, because I don't live in California. That's why. And uh, uh, (coughs) so it's snowing outside. Anyway, uh, David... Thank you very much for, uh, for putting all this together. And you've put a a, um, a website up. We've got a whole uh, web domain for, for this project as well. So um, why don't we tell people where, where they go if they want to get more about this book?
1: Sure, absolutely. So the domain name is seoin2022.com to go to. That'll forward to you to somewhere on the Majestic website. It'll tell you all about the project. It'll ask you to sign up. You should actually really sign up to watch the launch live stream. We're going to be doing a launch live stream next Tuesday, which is Tuesday the 7th of December from 1pm to 5pm GMT. Um, so that starts at, um, starts at, what time does it start in the States? It starts at 8am um, Eastern Standard Time and um, we'll finish four hours after that. So come and join us for that if you can do 39 of the book's contributors will actually be joining me live for that one as well so it's going to be a great experience as you said Dixon it's available as a series of videos as a book um, as a podcast series as well so whatever is your preference um, format uh, you can consume it in excellent so
0: let's let's dive into it then guys and uh, and take a few of the tips and just uh, show people a little bit of of what's in there I was going to start with you Olga because the the tip that you you know I know that you haven't got a copy of the book so you may have forgotten what the tip was so uh i'll read it out um uh, it was uh always start any seo analysis from google search console Uh, wherever whenever you find land a new client or undertake an audit of a new site the first thing you should ask is for for access to google search console and go through all of the reports so olga why don't you you know tell us why do you start there? What's your what's your thought process for starting there?
4: So uh, I always start there because this is basically uh, what Google sees in our in our sites, and we in most cases uh, we care about Google the most. And we can, of course, we we should use other tools uh, uh, crawl our sites with, with other tools as well. But uh, the things that Google wants us to pay special attention to, to are there in Google Search Console. And these are different types of uh, things that we as SEOs are interested in, like uh, the information about the keywords for which our site is is shown, the real data about the organic traffic of our site that's coming to our site, all the indexability issues, what's indexed, what's not indexed. We can also say if there are, for example, quality issues with our site, if a lot of our new posts, pages, go to the discovered uh, currently not indexed uh, bucket or growth cu- currently not indexed ba- bucket as well. Uh, we can also see the uh, real data user uh, information regarding uh, the speed of the site. Uh, I mean, the Google page experience report, Core Vitals report. So basically, any everything that Google uh, pays special attention to is there. That's why I always think we should start with uh, Taking a look at the possible errors that we see there, and okay. and then maybe yeah sorry <laughs>
2: yeah
0: no I was going to say I, I I think that makes a lot of sense to start with the obvious stuff that Google is already telling you because quite often if there's a if there's something horribly wrong in the site then you know Google's telling you right right that second so uh, so it makes sense uh, you guys all use Google Search Console I'm guessing. Uh, it's probably teaching you all to suck eggs, there. I imagine, but you know, you'd all agree. Just a just a nod in, in there. The other thing I think is quite good about that idea is that, um, in order to do that, of course, the customer or prospect, if they're not the customer, has to show some willing because they've got to give you access to it. And the the mere fact that they give you access to it changes the relationship in a new in a new business relationship, particularly. Um, and you 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 have some some insight that you know that. Anybody else that's just looking in doesn't have. So I think it's a, it's a brilliant idea to uh, to go in there. Anyway, guys, on the rest of you, what are your favorite bits of Google Search Console? Any bit that's standing out for you? They've just changed the look and feel of it recently, I think.
2: I guess, yeah, the mm. new design is not the most exciting bit, right? They Well, this is the, one of the frustrations is it's, it's such a powerful tool and there is so much stuff in there, especially with the call reports and the error reporting. I quite often find things in there that I don't pick up quickly and obviously from things like crawling tools and ranking tools. But I really wish that they would work more on expanding that and giving us a great API suite, but no, they'll, they'll redesign it instead. So, yeah, great tool, but um, if only it were greater.
0: <laughs> so you want you want Google Search Console with, in an API form, do you? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, us be a mortal be right with the web interface i think so no uh, brilliant. yeah no i think that's an excellent first tip and uh, um you know th- thanks for starting there i think it's a it's a good place for us to start and also of course it's a free tool so you know why wouldn't you i mean you know google giving it to free but to, to your point there jono you kind of you know alluded to the fact that google could show us so much more than they do do you think part of that is, um, Olga, do you think part of that is Google's intention? They don't want to show you absolutely everything? Or do you think that they're just showing the stuff that they can consistently give to everybody?
4: I think that maybe uh, they're afraid of showing us too much because uh, SEOs usually, if they kind of uh, see that something works, uh, then they may abuse it. And I think that maybe this is part of the, their Kind of fear that if they give us too much, then we will kind of start spamming things out.
0: Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's, a there's an SEO. I don't know if he's uh, he, if he's in the book. Tony Wright, who uh, said to me at a pubcon once, you know, the problem with SEOs and bright shiny things is that we just break them. So as soon as Google gives us any new bit of information, we'll just we'll crucify it to death until it's uh, until it's disaster. and we're we we're, we're not good for that. I think. Um, so exactly. yeah, <laughs> not our, not. Our not our strongest strategy. Uh, okay, uh, thanks very much, Olga. Brilliant. Um, let's move on to to uh because uh, I think yours was totally different as a tip, and I'm really I'd love to dive in more. So just just for the uh, for for the audience. Ayella's tip was uh, increasing human focus on our SEO strategies through human behavior and cognitive biases is not as complicated as it sounds. Sounds pretty complicated to me. So, Ayala, firstly, you know, uh, explain explain um, uh, cognitive biases and why is that why is that something that we need to pay attention to in SEO?
3: So, first of all, I'm really sorry. You'll see a toy flying here. Is my cat is playing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, those those on those on the iTunes podcast are gonna be a bit messed up. But...
3: I'm so sorry for that. Yeah they're going to miss that. So cognitive bias. Um the thing is these are like like they sound like really fancy terms but in reality this is really simple. So pretty pretty much cognitive bias means that we're going to pretty much pay attention to everything that reinforces our beliefs. So let's try to pick a non a a topic that is not too I don't know how to say it right now. They can't controversial. Me. Something not be controversial. <laughs> controversial, that's the word. So let's say, and I can't think of any topic that is not controversial. Okay, right okay.
0: Piers, Piers, um, whether you go for a, uh, a Brighton Pier, which is very, very famous, or the Ethiopian Pier at Addis Ababa, which is much more important in the world, but, you know, no one ever talks about.
3: So obviously you would think, Brighton is better because I mean that's what you you believe on that's what you think of I'm sorry
0: yeah
3: <laughs> I'm losing the track now um so she only wakes up when I'm talking by the way
0: yeah fair <laughs> enough
3: so yeah so pretty much what this says is that when you're looking to find out okay should I go to, to Brighton or the other one you're only going to focus your information on your the your attention on whatever it tells you what you believe in, which is Brighton is better than the other one. So this is cognitive bias, how we tend to just think like, oh, my, I don't know, another thing would be a football club. My football club is the best one because it's been always here. It's always been in the first division. This, this and that. So you're only going to look for information that actually says, yes, you are right. Your football team is the best one in the world because once it won a championship so Mm. that would be cognitive Mm. bias so so so
0: uh how do we um how do we when when we understand that How do we make use of that or knowledge or that understanding and how do we uh, adapt our SEO strategies? Are we trying to reduce cognitive bias or increase cognitive bias?
3: I mean, ideally, we would reduce it first on ourselves. So what we were just discussing right now, whenever SEOs get something, we tend to, you know, exploit it to the max. Let's say core vitals, we just did that. All of us were mental with it. It was like, oh my gosh, we need to fix it. And now we're like, maybe we don't have to go that crazy with it. So we are the first ones that we need to review our strategy and be like, okay, are we actually doing our strategy based on our own cognitive bias? Because we think this is only important. And because all my research is going to this guy that is telling me, yes, you're doing the right thing. Or should we actually expand our horizons as as SEOs or digital marketers in general? Because in the end, this is what it's important. We're digital marketers. We're not just SEO. We're working with other people in other channels that are impacting the same website. So, we so, so how, do, how do we
0: do that? How do we reduce our own cognitive bias?
3: Well, what I've done in my experience is sitting with other people from other departments and try to understand what they do, um, see, have a, a better perspective or a global perspective of the website, of how it works, who's doing what, how it in, trying to understand how it impacts. And of course, sitting down with other SEOs, even if you, you think they, 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 they're not right, sit with them, try to understand them. Why do they think how they do? Maybe they actually have proof on something that's worked for them. You know, like just try to be open to everything out there.
0: I think it's great. If anyone's got any ideas of uh, any areas of cognitive bias they think they want to bring in, then then great. But uh, David, I'd like to just uh, just come in with to, to you and say that, th- that those sixty six ideas. You've gone all around the world for those th- those ideas, and you say yeah. at the start of your book that um, you were surprised at how different those sixty six ideas were. Do you think some of that success was the fact that you've got a very broad um, selection of uh, of people. I mean, it's, it helps that, I guess, we got a lot from Majestic's sort of user base and that's in 12 languages. Perhaps that has helped to reduce the bias.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it, it has helped, certainly. You, you try and have a as broad a cross-section of different types of SEOs involved. But I also purposely asked everyone exactly the same question. What's your number one SEO tip for 2022? And it's interesting that, Everyone, almost everyone gave me a different answer. And even if they gave me a similar answer, it was notably different in terms of actions. So essentially everyone's tip was was entirely different. And I think probably as more, a, a more pertinent question would be, what would be everyone's tip if you'd asked them... 18 years ago when I first got involved in SEO and I think back then you'd have only had maybe about three or four different topics and it would have been very unlikely to have so many different tips but nowadays SEO is just so broad and there's so much involved in SEO it's, it's, it's wonderful that you can ask the one question and get so many different answers
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyone else uh, seen examples of, uh, uh, of, uh, of bias in the system that we can fix uh, easily? Michael can I jump in on you because you're
5: quiet um, I, I, I'm not sure I mean I, I, when I look at the book uh, and I see a theme that is similar so there's a commonality there but they're all different answers but there's commonality and it almost falls apart when I went through the book last night I'm reading through everything and I'm like wow everybody's focusing on the customer they're focusing they're not focusing so much on technicalities as much as before they're focusing on the customer and I know for myself I'm focusing on the customer you know so I'm seeing these commonalities but I haven't seen you know where there was such vast differences in the technology and so forth
0: well we'll we'll change that when we get to Jono I'm sure but uh, um, uh, one of the interesting things that, that I've, I've seen about uh, knowledge by uh, cognitive bias is um, I am concerned or have been concerned about how the learning machines, machine learning, uh, is going to start making errors based on human errors um i don't know if this is something that, that anyone's got any observations on but as you build systems like wikipedia's or um or uh, or, or opinion based um well web pages are already ri- written by human beings they come with opinion and then the uh, the the learning systems are based on those kinds of technologies uh and, they, and that's so um so that's why i kind of suggested you know the peer in addis Ababa versus the peer in brighton there's a lot of of seos in brighton that write about being a brighton seo there's not a lot of um of merchants who are running you know millions and millions of dollars worth of you know of goods in and out of of you know the capital of ethiopia um every every day um and they're not talking about that so therefore we kind of lose perspective because the beer, the beer in Brighton has broke, burned down. It hasn't been there for 30 years. So that was kind of my 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 point there. But, you know, are you were nodding your head. I mean, you know, do you see not potential for bias to come into the machine learning?
2: Yeah, certainly. And we already see a lot of flavors in this, in SEO in particular, where nobody truly understands how the system works other than in broad generality. So everybody chases everyone else's tail. Everybody copies each other's tactics. And we're left with a space where, Every major brand in every major sector looks and behaves the same way. We have no idea if that's inherently good. We have no idea if they could perform twice as well if they did something radically different. They all have the same meta descriptions, the same templates, the same products, the same kind of language and tone. I can't help but think that the more AI, machine learning we inject into that, the more we just spin that same wheel faster and we optimize ourselves into a homogenous soup, And then maybe the answer is... um, something radically different is how you compete and maybe machine learning generative systems aren't a great tool or tactic for us maybe they're they make they make things easier and faster to produce and to manage but not necessarily in the right direction i don't think they're short enough about any of this
0: potentially they'll make us more homogenous instead of more diverse and that, that yep. could in the long term not be not be great although it's probably you know I, I, who knows it's going to be an interesting thing thing there but there was another side Ayala that you you said in that you said you know um strategies that are focusing on on human behavior and cognitive bias are not as complicated as it sounds so where how do how do SEOs um concentrate on human behavior um how how where where does the overlap happen between SEO and human behavior I
3: mean it's it's just experience included of course but it's everything the whole website we're creating it for humans we're not creating it for Google and this is what I always say like nowadays and this is what Michael was saying all of us the the commonality that we have is that we're talking about humans because we're creating these websites for humans the content is for humans so obviously everything we do there from the site structure from uh, the the navigation the colors the content itself how we present the content the images, everything is for humans. So we need to understand all these different psychological, let's call it patterns, behaviors to to create this, I'm not going to say perfect, but like as close as possible to that, to that to the, the the humans we're trying to connect with, because in the end what we're trying to get is this this emotional connection with them so that they end up buying our product, service, whatever, we're selling them our recipe, I don't care. (laughs) Um, So this is what we're trying to do, and this is why it's so important to understand, first of all, which personas we're talking to, what are their needs, what are their problems, how can we solve those things? And of course, everything else that has to do with the website. And I repeat myself, images included, because I've seen so many times in Asian countries a lot of white people. I'm like, we're in Asia, guys! <laughs> Don't put white people here.
0: So, I mean, are there any uh, any types of tool that you like for uh, for doing that? You know, do you you, you a you know uh, are you a fan of a uh, crazy egg or um, um, eye tracking software or a, a, anything like that or does it not really matter what tools you use
3: i'm going to say right now and it's going to sound really bad but i'm the spoiled one so pretty much i have a team that are experts on this uh they're psychology majors they're they're passionate about digital so they do all the research they come to me and they're like oh, yeah, i found this and we're like okay let's work together on how to you know connect it with seo um or in other cases in other teams is with We've paid, so we usually work together. But they do all Brilliant. the resources. They do I all would the like tools. To take
0: them away. <laughs> God, what a luxury! What a luxury! Ah,
3: amazing. I one.
0: <laughs> Okay, uh, let's 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 go on then, Michael, because we're going to get a little bit more uh, granular now and a little more uh, technical. Because, or well, not technical, but granular. Because, uh, Michael, your your um, uh, tip was uh, was look at first party data as a way to enable. Better, better content content strategy for your SEO plans. What do you What do you mean by that? Let's uh, Let's dive into that a little bit more.
5: Okay, so this is I mean this is a perfect segue within with what I just said. So it's it goes right into the human connection to psychographics to behaviors to all things that you can you possibly do. And by the way, just triggered something. One thing that you said about eye tracking studies and Dixon. You know me with my awkward moments. But I did have a very awkward moment where I had to present an eye tracking uh, software um, to a marketing director who had a lazy eye. And, <laughs> but I swear it was the most awkward like presentation I ever did.
0: Bit of cognitive comp- bias assumption coming in there. <laughs> yes, exactly.
5: Um, so we'll take a you know we'll take Starbucks. i want to use Starbucks as a great example of of first party data and how it can be used. Um, Starbucks has done a brilliant job of utilizing its data, its app, its, its, its loyalty programs to understand their customers so much that now we can go into a Starbucks and if we are a regular there, they'll all often have our drink ready with our name on it. Um, now we can order ahead. We have, we have that experience where we can go into a store and that, that, that store knows us well enough, or at least technically knows us well enough to know what we want. And so the Starbucks may not be great coffee, but the user experience is brilliant, right? So if you take that perspective.
0: God, I didn't and, know they'd do that. That scares the bejesus out of me. I don't want that.
5: <laughs> yeah, but every, I mean, I am such a loyal fan of Starbucks and I know that Starbucks coffee isn't that great and it doesn't really wake me up and I'm willing to pay $6.50 for a, for a coffee. But it's ridiculous that, you know, it's like, I know I can go there. I know they know what I want. They have my name on the cup. they It feels like they know me when I walk in. Well,
0: they, they've usually got a name on the cup. It's usually a misspelling, isn't it?
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even Michael is misspelled. But hey, you know what? Um, it's not as bad. So I'll give you a comparison with Google, right? So me logged into YouTube versus Starbucks. Starbucks may spell my name wrong. I, I may walk into Starbucks, but they get me a lot more than... Google does. When I go to Google, um, for example, I have this new girlfriend and she's, she looked at my YouTube and she's like, what, what the hell? What the hell are you looking at? There is dinosaur videos from my son who logs in. My mom logs into my account and watches Chinese soap operas. You know, my daughter watched, you know, put this little makeup girl that always talks about things. And then I've got you, Dixon, all mixed up in all of these videos. Right. And so I, I, Google-
0: I, I, I'd, be, I'd be worried that your new girlfriend is already looking at your feed on YouTube. That's,
1: yeah, that's always a dangerous thing. Well, yeah.
5: I think she's like figuring, trying to find out what's wrong with me. Right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you have, you have all of this big data, like Jonah said, it's it, there. It, 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 there is a chance for this to go really, really wrong. Google is using all of this data. They have tons of data on me but do they really, really completely understand me? They're getting closer all the time with machine learning and understanding my behavior. You already see that personalization coming out in your results. If you are a uh, a Stanford researcher, um, when you start researching a topic, your results logged in are different than my results because I'm not a researcher. So you're already seeing Google move to that perspective of, of trying to understand the customer. This in a way is is good. In a way, it's bad. It's bad because a lot of companies are are depending on Google to run their data for them, right? And they're still defaulting to the third party third-party data tactics rather than focusing on their customer. So my 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 tip was focus on the first-party data, which means find out who your customers are, get to know them from a psychographic behavior, right? So I, um, I studied this book called The People Code that understands behaviors by motive, and there are four different segments. There's people that, for example, when they buy and when they search and when they absorb content, they have zero, zero patience to do so. Others are heavy researchers, right? And they want the research. And the problem with SSEOs is depending on your own psychographic behavior, you think what you wrote was hot shit. But if you don't know your customers, you may find out that half your customers don't like what you wrote. And often you have other team members that are like you, so they think your stuff is hot, hot stuff as well. So the point is, is how do you develop a relationship with your customers, understand your customers, you have that first party data and then start developing content that actually appeals to each one of them from every viewpoint that you can.
0: I think that's, uh, that's a, a really useful tip. Um, but I, I also wonder, you make the point and it kind of feeds back to Ayala's bit and also the, 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 the cognitive bias bit, you know, as, as an SEO, do we break the system by being SEOs? Are we, is, it, is it like a little bit like um, Schrodinger's dog, is it? Um, you know, uh, where, you know, because we are working for a client, so therefore we're looking up, you know, in your case, you know, videos of, uh, of dinosaurs or your son's looking up dinosaurs, so that's another problem. But, you know, we're looking up sometimes things that we're not naturally interested in. Is that then messing up? the data that we're seeing that we're then trying to apply to the next customer, because the next time we look at something, let's say we look at something in fashion one day and next day you're looking at something in, uh, in, in, um, uh, in casinos. And all of a sudden you're, you're getting results that have got, you know, that are tailored to, you know, the fashion market in the, in the results. Is that, is that, is that um, likely to be a, a, a problem? Do you think, do you think SEOs are getting, as we say in, britain hoisted by your own petard i
3: have no clue what that
0: expression means. no that's right i'm not sure it's a very good expression to use anyway but you know basically we're getting you know, we, we, we we're because of what we're doing we're not getting good data do you think there's that's there's a
2: risk
3: it is, there is obviously i'm mainly with people that are SEOs that don't as we said before they don't get out of their bubble because they tend to just look as, at what michael was saying their own hot stuff like they don't get out of it so yeah 100 percent
0: and uh and olga is there i mean is there any first party data there's not really that much first party data in, in google search console uh, do you guys do, do you or Jono? do you guys use um first party data very much to help you in any part of seo
4: so i mainly uh work with google search console and i have also recently started using microsoft clarity and actually watching recordings of people of what they're doing what they're clicking whether there is some rage clicking happening and this is very I, insightful i
0: think that's a really interesting tool by the way i i, I must admit I've, I've played with that a little bit and it's kind of interesting and you can just leave it there and come back in a few months and uh and, yeah. and it you know and it suddenly tells you new things that you didn't know so yeah that's a really good way to have a look at your your actual users and what they're doing on the site. Um, I'd agree. That's a that's a that's a great way to use things. And and you, but, uh, Johnny, you can also use. First-party data, um, things like people are using, you know, see what people are search- typing in your own search box and those kind of things, can't you? So
2: Yeah, so like on-site analytics is massively underutilized still. So many sites just have like an out-of-the-box Google Analytics setup, and yes, that will count how many people came to your site, but very little more. Now, obviously, you've got to be careful with privacy and GDPR and all the various legal frameworks around that, but when you start to explore what you can do, for example... Um, on Yoast.com, we track when people um, print pages. We, like, as an arbitrary example, but something like 5,000 people every month print off our blog posts and guides and presumably then go on to read them offline. And then you can say, okay, that's really interesting who are these people that have a type of need and consume our content in a way that we would never have expected? What can we learn? How can we market differently? How can we better support their needs? And then we've got loads of these examples. We track when people leave certain types of content to certain types of sites. We track when people copy paste bits of content from the site. And yes, all of this is done in aggregate anonymously, but we can start to learn tons about how people interact and behave, which is really useful.
0: Yeah, so, Michael, what so, kind of data? Yeah, go on. Yeah.
5: Uh, yeah, just, I mean, Jono, you're spot on. I mean, you, you have two things, you have two side sticks, and you have all of the data that Google collects and so forth that is messing things up because people are moving from one thing to the next. And then you have first-party data that belongs to you. These are your customers that have signed up. They belong to you. Right. There's a couple things that I loved about the book. Well, there's a lot of things I love about this book. Um, Mike King's statement on focus your content on what the audience actually wants, um, not how many words on a page, um, which goes hand in hand with what Eli Schwartz said about stop focusing on keyword research and start focusing on what the audience is actually looking forward forward to. Dwayne Forrester says focus on user intent. Matoko says. Uh, focus on local audience and personalize the experience for them. So you can, you see that theme throughout the book, which is really what I said, I mean, really focusing on your customer. And, and when you develop content, especially around SEO, focusing on that one customer, yeah, there, there may be, you know, authoritative, Big old school ways of doing things that are going away, but really focusing on your customer is going to, in the long run, win you a lot of business for yeah. the future.
0: And I think the last thing I'd like to, you know, point out on uh, on using first party data is it, it it is fundamentally what's going to make you different, isn't it, to anybody else and as a product because you're talking to the converted in many ways and you're finding. I guess, me too's, but you're, you know, you're by, by working with your customer base, they're going to take you in a direction that is going to be slightly different to every other company out there and possibly very different to every company out there. If, uh, if you're lucky, um, you know, and then, you know, become that unicorn. So that's great. All right. Last but not least, Jono. Can you remember what you said? Shall I shall I read it out for you? No, I will read I, it out for you. I anyway. have to go
2: back and double check because I ramble so much about this sort of thing. No, problem. It was, um, it was about no, um, giving the foundations right, wasn't
0: it? I'm going to... Uh, no, it was... Well, it was, yes. Okay, you could argue that, yes. <laughs> but stop looking stop looking at technical debt as something we have to fix. And technical SEO is a way to prevent errors. And start looking at it as something that we can compete on. So... Let's start with this, this thing about technical debt then. So just, just for, for those that need it, what, what is technical debt? And why do you think it's, it's not debt, it's profit, whatever the opposite um, of debt is?
2: <laughs> sure. So you have um, a finite amount of resource and an infinite amount of things you want to do. And in order to meet your goals and get through the month and ship some stuff, you make some compromises. You hack some code in. You do something not as well as you ought to. You don't take the time to think about what might a better version look like. Um, And you cut corners. And over time, that means that every additional thing you want to do is slower or more expensive or more complicated and more likely to break. And that is the case for every business and every website and everything that has ever been made in all of humanity. And periodically you go, let's wipe the slate blank and start again, burn it all down again. I think that doesn't need to be the way that we operate in SEO. I think that most of technical SEO is a solved problem and that we are unnecessarily spending time and money and resource fighting and fixing and iterating and com- competing with our own technical debt. when we ought to be investing time in improving our brands and our products and our storytelling. I think the most exciting thing about technical SEO is we don't need it. Well, we do need it, but it's, it's done. Like, we don't need to worry about it we don't need to reinvent the wheel these are all solved problems
0: which is uh, a lot of the problems I'd say are solved and obviously I mean you have a tool that's very good for solving some of those problems and I'm sure that that's uh, <laughs> that's part of your, your your messaging but surely there's there are there are problems that are not solved by tools um but the tools maybe highlight them for you and and, and then you do need to you know get into get into the coal face and start fixing them surely
2: yeah, potentially, though, even things you could argue like um, all, all the examples I can think of, for example, um, I know, say I've i got an e-commerce store and a product has gone out of stock and now there is a 404 error. These are examples where business processes should exist. These aren't technical SEO errors. These are business process errors. Like the, we shouldn't be living in a world where it's normal and acceptable for us to have to invest thousands of hours a month and millions of dollars per month in fixing four hours for out-of-stock products or... Finding broken links or making our slow sites faster when somebody from the marketing team uploaded a ten megabyte gift to a page. Mm-hmm. All of these are things which shouldn't happen and don't need to happen if we have the right tooling and processes in place. But, but isn't that get-
0: isn't that a good example of something? I'm I'm, I'm picking on you because like I know you can no, do, throw do. It back do. to me ten times worse, you know. Uh, but uh, but you know, isn't that that example of of we're out of, we're out of stock four oh four? Um, I a very good example of a technical debt that if somebody had done it right in the first place and had the time to do it right, they would never have had that 404 at that point. It would have gone to a category page or a search page at the very least, um, uh, or something appropriate other than a, you know an out-of-stock message.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And for all of these types of examples, there are really only two reasons why they continue to persist. One is ignorance, which is forgivable. Not everybody can know everything. Everything moves very quickly and is very complicated. And... Knowing what you don't know is very, very hard. Um, and the other is arrogance that as an industry, we are obsessed by solving these problems ourselves and reinventing the wheel and continually hacking and tweaking. Like we have this vision of us, ourselves as these master hackers and webmasters, um, tinkering at the code and building stuff when actually all of that resource ought to be invested elsewhere. Um, and building on stuff like WordPress and AMP and um, other technologies like that. Mean that we can shift all of that focus to better places
0: so what you're saying is there is usually you know a, a technology that will have will have, will do everything for you and, and 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 stuff that will do things for you you don't need to i i, I guess really when it comes down to it these computers are made up of ones and zeros and hex code and uh we kind of gave up most of that a long time ago except for you jonno <laughs> yeah
2: well it's interesting like so that's that's one of the points is um in the same way, very few businesses operate their own power plants, and you probably don't make your own soap or your own toothpaste. Like There are utility-level things which we just trust to outsource like, all that infrastructure stuff. There are companies and technologies which are much better so- suited to solving those problems than we are. And given that we have a finite amount of time and resource and attention, it doesn't make sense for us to be saying, you know what? I'm going to have a team of developers working for months on end, trying to build something Visionary and Gatsby or some headless monstrosity, which will likely never see the light of day and spend a decade trying to unpick versus saying, actually, let's build on established framework. Let's use open source. Let's build on top of stuff that people have already solved. And then we can focus our energy elsewhere. And then you get to the point where rather than that being a cost center and a drain, um, you start to compete in it. So, for example, um, I run my website on WordPress. I use the AMP plugin, which is developed largely by employees from Google. Whilst I sleep, people who work at Google are improving my website for free so that I rank better in Google. You cannot compete with that. No matter how many developers you throw at it, you can't move as fast, you don't have the expertise, you don't know what you don't know, and your IT director probably thinks he knows better even though he doesn't. And so all of these cost centers and drains just become baggage that hold you down whilst your competitors zoom ahead. We don't need to be worrying about any of this; it's all solved.
0: I love it. So it's object-oriented programming for SEO. Object-oriented oh, SEO. <laughs> Uzio. See, it's yes. over, you're going to have to change the uh, change the name of the business from SEO lead to Uzio. And Ayala. I mean, that's interesting because that I think that's you make an interesting point, which we see just in the, in the group that we got here. So, you know, I, you know, Olga, will go your, your, um, technical SEO. You're looking at the, the, um, uh, the, the, the detail of stuff. And then the other end, we got Ayala who's, um, got a team of people and she's got somebody that deals with the PVC side, somebody that deals with the UX side, somebody that does with deals with the, with the, I've got customers that are unhappy side and stuff. So, so, um, so she's got to this luxurious point, probably not always luxurious because you can't actually fix a problem when it's too deep and you can't get to it and you've got other problems, but, um, you know, but you've kind of, do you think you've got to this, this Nirvana of, um, of just having these, these groups of SEO specialisms that you can call upon?
3: I mean, Nirvana? It's real. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm I'm just I'm just lucky that I, I have some specialists that are helping me there. Obviously, I, I'm still hands-on, I'm still getting into the technical fixes because as Jono is saying, we shouldn't be dealing with 404s, yet we're dealing with 404s. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean it it eventually we will all get there, but we still have to deal with these tiny things that I think as as Jonah was saying, it's mainly it's it's progress oh my gosh i won't say the word now it's a it's it's a process that's a word it's a process i remember i did have a client that i managed to get somehow a process for them but it's 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 complicated so no this nirvana doesn't really exist (laughs) we still have to be hands-on get dirty go for the keyword research and this silly let's call it silly fixes which I mean, ideally, we would be spending time on AMP or taking I don't know other new ways to improve our our how our websites are viewed on on mobile. Because I'm surprised mm-hmm. that in in Europe we still have problems with that. Um, but no, we don't have yeah. time for that
0: guys so that's just four tips out of uh out of 66 experts on, on, on in the book so um just before i go back to david to remind us how we get hold of the book how we can see all these videos i'm going see all sorts of other bits and pieces um how how, do, how can people get hold of you guys um Jono, how do people get hold of you if they want to know more
2: uh, twitter's good at Jono alderson or my website uh www.jonoalderson.com or um, jonno at yoast
0: okay cool michael how do they find you?
5: Uh, you can, well, there's a couple of ways. Uh, LinkedIn, it's Michael Bonfils. Um, Twitter, it's Michael Bonfils. Um, email, m B-O-N-F-I-L-S, at S-E-M-International.com. And, of course, my phone number, 714-222-0605. <laughs> Excellent. And I've got a picture of your passport number as well. I think you've shown that before. So pretty card.
0: much I'm going to be Michael Bonfils from here on in. Sorry about your car. We can get you another one. You know, I'm just going to take that one. Olga, I'm going to sell it. Olga, how do they get hold of you guys?
4: So I'm on Twitter. Uh, It's Olga Zarzeczna. I know people have problems pronouncing my name, so just type it uh, I'm also present on LinkedIn and uh, of course I invite you to visit my site seoslide.com
0: so it's Olga O-L-G-A for those that are on uh, on on, uh, on iTunes or Spotify or all the other things um, it's Olga Z-A-R-Z-E-C-Z-N-A so you won't even remember that now I've just said it on the on the podcast either. anyway it'll be so much easier when we go to Ayala Icaza Gonzalez won't it? <laughs> Super easy.
3: <laughs> my parents didn't think it through, I guess. But yeah, you can mainly find me on LinkedIn. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not that social, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, my, my LinkedIn is Ayalaikaza. So it's A-I-A-L-A-I-C-A-Z-A. Which
0: is so straightforward for us English people. Super <laughs> <laughs> easy. Anyway, uh, guys, thank you ever so much. I'm going to bring David back in. David, um, again, it's a brilliant piece of work. There's a lot of stuff in there. I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's only, it's only Michael and I so far that have seen the book, you know, but, uh, um, but, uh, oh no, no, you've got the PDF version, haven't you, Michael? So, you know, so I'm yeah. the one with, the, with a hard copy of the book. So there we go. Um, but, uh, uh, once again, uh, David, how how do people get hold of the book? and how do people see it?
1: Sure, Um, seoin2022.com is the simplest place to go to. You can just sign up for email updates. Um, Make sure, if you can, um, to attend this launch live stream that's going to be incredible on Tuesday the 7th, uh, 1pm GMT for that. But. When you sign up there, you also get information about the podcast, the audio podcast, the video series. that's going to be published on YouTube very, very soon. As we're speaking, the audio podcast has actually just gone live on Apple Podcasts. So if you search SEO in 2022 on Apple Podcasts, then you'll actually be able to hear 60 of the episodes so far on that. You'll have one a day being published until the 7th of December as well, and that'll take it up to the... The sixty-six people taking part. Um, so that's th- this series. So, so, so please, you know, tr- try and be part of that if you if you can. Uh, I just want to share as well the first episode for next year for o Guard New Blood. We're go- We're going to be doing an episode on the fifth of January, uh, same time, five p.m. GMT, twelve p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For that one, Dixon's going to be joined by Andy Drinkwater, Lydia Infante, and Rejoice Ojiaku and everyone's gonna be talking about their seo strategy for 2022 how they set their seo strategy for 2022 so that should be a great episode as well to sign up for that one go to majestic.com webinars
0: excellent so guys thank you very much for coming on to this very special christmas first christmas edition uh really of old guard new blood and uh uh it's been a delight to have you here thank you ayala for the cat um and uh, <laughs> Uh, I look forward to seeing you all in cyberspace or hopefully at a conference um, if we can all get there um, sometime next year. Bye, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. 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 bye.
1: <laughs>